So if I had a title for this message, I started out with who will we follow? And then I kind of went to, in my mind, the title, Who You Gonna Follow? And then I remembered there was a Bob Dylan song uh, that went by the title, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just make the title, You Gotta Follow Somebody. So either way, I think you get the idea that the operative term is the word follow. See, we're often defined by who or what we follow. In sports, you may follow a certain team religiously, so you wear the hat, the shirt with the logo, and you're a follower of that team. And pretty soon, folks can tell who you follow by what you wear. They may say, you follow the Panthers pretty closely. Or like in my case, someone says, you must follow the Reds pretty closely. So we're often defined by who or what we follow. Maybe we follow a certain news station or a news outlet, and there's many to choose from all along the spectrum. So we have our reasons for choosing the ones that we do, and over time we become a follower of that particular news station, or that particular news outlet, or that particular anchor person because of the narrative that it offers us. And in fact, we become so much a follower of that news station or news outlet that we almost literally become a disciple of it, or we become evangelist of it, and we find ourselves defined by it. Now, I lose those terms, disciple and evangelist, intentionally because our devotion to these sources of information and news almost resemble sometimes a religious-like devotion. We're often defined, again, by who or what we follow. Maybe we follow a certain particular political candidate, a person, or even a political platform. And in many ways, that's normal and appropriate because it's important to be engaged and informed and active in the process. We each have an opportunity to offer our voice and to be part of that process. But there's times we allow our party, or maybe our candidate, to take on Messiah-like qualities in our own mind, and we assign to them the position of Savior because we're convinced and we've convinced ourselves that they are the only ones that can save us from the other or save us in this world or save us from all the problems and whoever that other might be. And even if you're in a position of leadership, you're still following. You're following a certain understanding, a paradigm, a model of leadership. You're probably a follower of another type of leader or a leadership methodology. And you're translating your following into leadership practices. So life is this interplay between following and leading, engaging, practicing, and enacting. But we will always and have always been followers. Because who or what we follow ends up shaping or forming how we engage, how we practice, how we enact, and how we lead. And basically, who or what we follow ends up shaping and forming how we do life. Because it really is true, we're often defined by who we follow, we're often defined by what we follow. Now in the Gospels and in our scripture text from the Gospel of John, Jesus finds Philip and extends this simple invitation, follow me. Now Jesus isn't saying, add me to all the other things you're following. Instead, he's extending this very singular claim, follow me. I think we become so used to this phrase as one equated with discipleship that we may miss the power of its simplicity in the complexity of even Philip's life. John tells us that Jesus decides to go to Galilee and that Philip is from Bethsaida. And we might wonder if there's any hidden revelation in naming these geographical locations, and the simple answer is probably not. Maybe it's enough to be reminded that the spiritual journey, discipleship, 
And the invitation to follow Jesus is grounded in real life with real people who come from real towns and cities and communities, ones that have names, ones that have geographical locations. So for us, we come from places like High Point, Archdale, Trinity, Thomasville, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, and Jamestown. And all are real places grounded and steeped in real life. And these are the contexts in which we hear the invitation from Jesus, follow me. Because the spiritual journey was never intended to be an escape from real life. It's not an evacuation plan. Rather, the spiritual journey and following Jesus was intended to be a way to show us how to live, how to live life well within the very context in which we do life. Now, even Philip and the other disciples had their own context and real life realities. Philip lived during a time in which there was Roman rule and occupation. Philip, no doubt, had a vocation. He had family. He had friends. And maybe like you and I, Philip had his own uncertainties. Philip had his hopes. He had his dreams. He had his fears. He had his anxieties. And maybe whatever context Philip lived within, it's within all of that, all of that that Philip dealt with, that Jesus extends this invitation to follow me. And it's within the context in which we live that we hear the same invitation from Jesus, follow me. Now, Philip seems to respond fairly favorably and quickly because he goes to Nathaniel and he shares the good news with him. And Nathaniel's response, even though it's a bit different, we could say that it's somewhat of a cynical response. And here's what Nathaniel has to say. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, scholars have debated whether or not this had anything to do with the town of Nazareth, which at that time was a pretty small working class town of about four to 500 folks. Be that as it may, it's pretty clear that Nathaniel has somewhat of a distaste for anything that might offer the promise of hope. In fact, it feels like he's given up somewhat on there being anything to look forward to or anything to hope for. And he feels like what I would call a classic cynic, one who can't see the good in anything. And if it seems good and if it looks good and it's possibly good initially, it's probably all going to go bad soon enough, or it's not going to last very long. Now, the invitation to follow Jesus isn't just for the already devoted. The invitation to follow Jesus is for every person, whether they be open-hearted, close-hearted, whether they be receptive or cynical, whether they be skeptical, for our world really is filled with open-hearted, hard-hearted, close-hearted, receptive, cynical, and skeptical. And Philip doesn't put the pressure on Nathaniel in some canned evangelistic kind of way. He simply extends this invitation to Nathaniel by saying, come and see. In other words, come and experience for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Do your own exploration. Do your own seeking. I think this is one of the gifts of Quakerism that of making room for the seeker and inviting them to come and see and experience for themselves life in company with Jesus. It could be said, quite honestly, that no one has ever been argued into following Jesus. No one has ever been protested into following Jesus. No one has ever been shamed into following Jesus. No one has ever been patronized into following Jesus. It's always been an invitation, not coercion. And the invitation to follow Jesus is never do it now or else, but it's always rather a come and see. Experience it for yourself. It's taking that step to explore the way of Jesus.
for yourself and not just go by someone else's experience or understanding. And in some cases, it's the courage to move beyond your own cynicism and skepticism and explore the way of Jesus and pay attention for how it speaks to you and to see how it offers you a way to live a life of meaning, hope, purpose, and a way that leads to wholeness and peace, a way that no other way has offered. The spiritual life is always by invitation and never by coercion, and so is this invitation to follow Jesus, always by invitation and never by coercion. Now, Nathaniel didn't take that step and seek Jesus and discovered to do what he did just to add to his religious to-do list. What he found out was that it is a way of knowing and being known. We're known by Jesus. And then in our coming alongside Jesus, we enter into a knowing that forms and shapes and transforms our lives. As Nathaniel walked toward Jesus, Jesus said, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, struck by those words, Nathaniel asks, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And with that, Nathaniel opens his heart and soul to the revealing of Jesus as the one who will reign and rule the world with truth and grace. Could it be that Jesus sees more than we see in ourselves? You see, Nathaniel had his cynical and sarcastic heart, but Jesus saw a heart with no deceit. In other words, a heart and soul of integrity. I think we often eliminate ourselves from seeking and following Jesus because of our past or our shame or our heart is crusted in cynicism and skepticism. But Nathaniel's encounter with Jesus reminds us that Jesus often sees more potential in our lives than we see in ourselves. Jesus often sees more hunger in our hearts than we see in our own hearts. Jesus often sees this deep desire in our lives to live a life that's whole more than we're able to see it in ourselves. Jesus often knows us better than we know ourselves and sees in us the potential we are often unable to see in ourselves. And that is often why Jesus invites us to follow because the reality is that it's Jesus' intention to empower us to live to our full potential in a way that brings life and goodness to our world and to our hearts and to our souls. And what we discover is that to follow Jesus, to come alongside Jesus and learn how to live in the way of Jesus is to really end up discovering who we really are and our truest selves. To follow Jesus is to ultimately get in touch with our deepest hungers for meaning, for purpose, and a desire to live life well. To follow Jesus is to ultimately get in touch with our deepest desires to live in a way that is life-giving, that is generous, that is generative, filled with grace, and offers us a wholeheartedness that comes from an undivided life. To follow Jesus is to discover or rediscover a way of living that shows us how to live as peacemakers or as those who offer mercy, as those who live inclusively, as those who offer reconciliation and forgiveness, as those who are experiencing the very elements of human flourishing and are able to bring those qualities to everyday life. We have those desires and we have those longings and we choose other ways around us that maybe those will lead us in that way. And what we discover is they often disappoint us or they often lead us down a dead end road or they often turn us into who we really don't want to be because what we discover is that the way of Jesus ultimately is a way that calls us to live fully into the way that brings life and wholeness. 
Now, we're often defined by who or what we follow because who or what we choose to follow will ultimately get our best energies, intentions, and devotion. Every day, every day we're being invited to follow someone or something, whether it's a person, an ideology, a celebrity, a pastor, a theology, or a political platform. And we will often make these choices both consciously and even unconsciously. And some of them we will question, but most of the time we won't question them. Some of them will ask for our attention and others will really press hard for our allegiance. And some will be very disappointed if we don't follow and others will not even remember who we are because really we were after all just a follower without any name or personhood. And in the midst of all these invitations, we hear these two words from Jesus, from the living Christ who is present with us in our real world. We hear these two words, follow me. But we can't hear these words and invitation as simply adding on to who we already are and what we already do and what we already follow. To follow Jesus is to live our lives in a way, to let go of all that which leads us away from the way of Jesus and to turn around and walk in a different way, in a new direction. Gareth Higgins puts it this way in his book, The Seventh Story, quote, As Rabbi Michael Lerner says, Martin Luther King Jr. is not known for a speech entitled, I Have a Complaint. Of course, he spoke against the injustices of his time, but he also outlined a vision to overcome them. So here, in part, is what Jesus' vision of a new world might look like, a way that offers a way forward, a way forward in life for wholeness and hope and purpose and meaning and all that helps us to live life well. It's to let go of hate and walk in the way of love, peacemaking, and reconciliation. It is to let go of violence and walk in the way of nonviolence. It's to let go of contempt and walk in the way of hospitality and graciousness towards others, even those who are different than us. It is the way of enemy make it is to, it is to let go of enemy making and walk in the way of loving our enemies. It is to let go of using power to dominate others and instead to steward our power to serve others. It is to let go of untruthfulness and sources that foment falseness and discord and instead walk in the way of truth with a capital T as demonstrated in the way and life of Jesus. It's to let go of the lust for power and dominating others and instead walk in the way of service, mercy, and compassion towards others. It's to let go of the notion that my whole existence is that of consumption and instead to live in the way of stewarding my life, my gifts, my abilities, and resources for the benefit of others and our world as a whole. And it's to let go of my attempts to daily manipulate my image to make myself look good and instead to live a life that is humble and vulnerable and reliant on God's grace, a life that is humble and authentic. It's to let go of all that worries us all that creates anxiousness in us is to let go of all that weighs us down and is to realize that we can live a life in the way of the kingdom, in the way of Jesus, that knows and trusts that our needs will be taken care of. To follow Jesus is more than just tagging along. When Jesus invited individuals to follow him, it was more than being sort of a spiritual intern or a Jesus groupie. It was, not, it was more than someone who got lunch for the disciples. Jesus was inviting others to closely come alongside, to join him in his mission, a mission of love, a mission of mercy, 
justice, compassion, and liberation. And Jesus was inviting others to allow their lives to be guided by the same dream that guided Jesus, and that being the present reality of God's kingdom or God's reign here on earth. As the late Henry Nouwen wrote, quote, when we speak about following Jesus, we speak about a movement that comes from our heart. It comes from the deepest place of our person. It has something to do with our innermost self. Following Jesus means to live our life in his spirit, in his life, in his heart, but with our spirit, with our light, and with our heart. To follow Jesus means to give our unique form and incarnation to God's love. To follow Jesus means to live our lives as authentically as he lived his. It means to give away our ego and to follow the God of love as Jesus shows us. Following Jesus requires a conversion. It requires a new heart and a new mind. We're often defined, as I said at the very outset, by who or what we follow. So Jesus extends an invitation. Follow me. Allow your life, your decisions, your actions, your attitudes, your dispositions, your dreams, your intentions, Jesus says, to be guided by me. It's an invitation to bring our cynical, skeptical, weary, fearful, and anxious heart along and to see for ourselves the transformation that occurs when we join our heart with the heart of Jesus. And it's always done in the context of the places we live, that we work and play and shop, whether it's with family, neighbor, stranger, close friend, acquaintance, or even the person that we disagree with or the person that irritates us. Now, the counterintuitive reality of following Jesus is that it ultimately, ultimately offers us the deepest joy and the deepest meaning that we have been searching for in our lives. And we discover by experience that the way Jesus shows us is a way that not only speaks to our condition, but it does speak to the condition of our world. And we discover that giving our lives to this calling of healing, repairing, and restoring, and rebuilding our world enables us to live a life that really ends up feeling fully alive. I want to close with these words by, again, Henry Nouwen. And he writes, That is what the spiritual life, the life with God, is about. It is being in touch with that love that becomes joy in us. Underneath all our fluctuations is a deep, solid, divine stream that is called joy. The love of God that touches us and informs us is a love that we can trust is there. No one can take it away from us. Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. We say, you got to follow somebody. Who we follow, what we follow matters. Jesus invited, follow me. The rest is up to you and I.